0: Hello, my name is Natasha nabanunga Bamblet. I'm a proud Yorta Yorta, Kurnai, Walpuri and Awadjuri woman. And before we get started on She's on the Money podcast, I would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land of which this podcast is recorded on a country, acknowledging the elders, the ancestors and the next generation coming through, as this podcast is about connecting,
1: empowering, knowledge sharing and the storytelling of you to make a difference for today and lasting impact for tomorrow. Let's get into it. She's on the money. She's on the money. Hello and welcome to She's On The Money, the podcast for millennials who want financial freedom. Welcome back to my favorite episode of the week, Our Money Diaries, where I get the absolute privilege of talking to one of our incredible She's On The Money community members. Let's jump straight into it because this week I got this message. Hi V, I'm a 24-year-old six-figure income earner with no university degree. My partner and I have bought a house that's nearly finished being renovated. I've also begun my investment journey, which feels like a big shift for me as I used to feel like it was a form of gambling. Having experienced family financial trauma, I am so proud of where I am now. Money diarist, I'm proud of you too. How exciting. And you're only 24. 24. Yeah,
0: thank you. It's been a bit of a journey, but really proud of where we are now.
1: Oh my gosh, I love it so much. Let's dive straight in. At the start of every episode, I always ask, Money dearest, what would you give your money habits if I asked you to give them a grade from A through to F?
0: I was having to think about this last night, and even though I'm earning really well and I feel like I'm doing really well with the house and things like that, I would still rate my money habits, I think, a B B+. As I'm sure you'll get into it after, but there's some areas that I definitely need to improve.
1: All right, I am very excited to learn more about that. But as always, I want to ask you my favourite question, Money Diarist. Can you tell me a little bit more about your money story?
0: So I first started working when I was the legal age, I think that's 13 and nine months, and I've always had quite a good, strong work ethic. I've always been quite independent with money as possible, as I was in just a single earning income, and one of my family members had quite a few of mental illness problems. So I've always kind of just looked after myself and gone, do you know what? I'm just going to work extra hours, even from a young age, to just try and save the most I can and take the most pressure off of my family. I always believe that money isn't the most important thing in life, but the thought of not having that additional financial stress is something that I've always wanted to have. So even though it's not the most important thing, and I do prioritize other things, it's definitely one of the priorities, even since I was young to kind of, okay, if I work an extra three hours, I can earn, you know, this much extra for the week, which then, you know, I can either buy something else or I can save that towards a goal. And I've always kind of been money driven, I guess, to a degree.
1: I love that. I feel like knowing that that's one of your mentalities is really powerful as well, because you can kind of harness it. And I think sometimes people go, oh, it's only an extra 150 bucks or whatever it might be. But you're like, that takes so much pressure off. And from little things, those things compound and they actually grow and become really impactful in the larger, I guess, phase of your life. Yeah, exactly that. Tell me a bit more about becoming an adult with that mentality. Like, is that the same today?
0: Yeah, same today. So how my structure works at the moment, I get my base salary, but I also get commission. So I'm very much in the position where I can kind of earn as much as I want to earn to a degree. Mm -hmm. Of course, there's a bit of luck that comes into it. And obviously I try and keep to my standard hours, but when I'm at work, I'm just at work and I eliminate all other distractions and I'm going, okay, how can I actually get the most out of these hours, which took me a little while to get there in my adult life, I think you know, each year is different. If I've got a lot going on in my personal life, you know, last year wasn't as good and I kind of got distracted a bit easier. But this year, especially since we've recently purchased our house, I've just been head down, pump up
1: at work and just trying to smash it out as much as I can. I love that so much. Do you find because you get commissions as a part of your role that you tend to work more hours? Because I feel like if I was working in a role where you said, oh, V, like if you get comms, you, you know, obviously can scale your own income. Does that mean that you're working more hours than you should? Or is that something where you're like, no V, that's one of the benefits. I love that I can put in additional hours.
0: When I first started, I was doing additional hours. I think also that's because I was just kind of a trainee and trying to understand as much as possible. But these days I'm really strict with myself. I won't work an extra hour after work, but if I need to work a little bit through my lunch break, I might, but it's a really day to day kind of thing. The majority of time I try and take my full lunch break, go for a walk, clear my mind because, you know, when I'm at work, like I said, I'm kind of head down, bum up. I know if I go in with that mentality every single day without taking my breaks, I'll just burn myself out. So I'm trying to avoid that as much as possible.
1: I like that. All right. Tell us a little bit more. What do you actually do for work and how much money do you earn? I've worked in recruitment
0: and I've done this for the last three years. My salary is very much commission-based. So last financial year, I'm so, so proud to say that I earned 105000 plus super. Cracked the six figures. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it was the best feeling ever when I saw my um financial statement at the end of the year. I was like, oh,
1: I'm so happy. Killing it.
0: <laughs> oh, it felt so good. And that's on a base salary of 75000 plus super. So that additional well, 30000 is in my commission.
1: When you say base salary, sometimes these things are different from, I guess, company to company. I know that if you're in real estate and you get paid a base salary, the expectation is that you kind of pay back your base salary and then you earn on top of that. Is this just you get $75,000 as a base just for turning up to work and then anything above and beyond that is cream? Or tell me a bit about how the comm structure works. Yeah,
0: so like the ladder, so seventy five thousand for me just coming to work, and then anything on top of that is like an additional, very nice little bit on top. But with that, we are given the expectation that we kind of earn a certain amount for the company. But if we don't do that, then you know we might go into performance management. But I earned over the kind of threshold that they're wanting you to earn anyway. And majority of people do. It's not very often that people earn less than what's kind of required of them.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. I was like, how does this work? Because often when you have a base salary, there's like base requirements. And if you don't meet them, it can be a little bit worrying. When you say you have a base salary of $75,000, I'm just so pervy when people earn comms because obviously not everything is given. When you're budgeting and doing cash flow and planning, do you just base it on the $75,000 or are you basing it on the hundred? Like, How does that all work?
0: Well, that's the thing is that I haven't got a set budget and I don't really look into these things and and that's what I think my worst money habit is is that I'm earning this money but I'm not planning where it's going. I've always been a good saver and I guess that's where my commission comes in that whatever my commission is for the month, that goes straight into savings. But in regards to my budget and kind of cash flow, I'm not thinking about those things which is my next goal. (laughs) is to kind of get a bit of control over that. All right,
1: next goal. I want to know, what is your big money goal that you're working towards? You mentioned that you've already bought a house. So what are you currently working towards? We really want to finish our renovations
0: because we're doing some this year and we're planning to do some a bit next year. Obviously starting to smash out our mortgage, but the goal would be, rather than just the house and things like that, would be to go on a European trip in the next three years or so. I have been on a holiday for quite some time, so I'd like to save up for that and go there. But ultimately, the long, long-term goal is to be financially free, but that's quite a while away. That takes
1: ages. I totally <laughs> get that there are interim goals, my friend, because same. I want to know a little bit more about these Renaults that you've mentioned. So yep. I've just gone through the process and oh my gosh, they blow out so much. Oh my gosh, they do. <laughs> Tell me a bit more about your Renault journey, what it's cost, what you'd expected from the beginning. Like, Is it a big Renault? Is it a little Renault? Like, what does it look like?
0: Yeah, of course. So we bought a small little house. It was kind of one of those situations where you buy the worst house in a nice street. We're in this really cute little area, lovely little houses around us, but our house was horrendous. It's only been rented for the last, I think, 30 years. So you can tell that the people that rented it didn't ridiculously look after it like it was their own, unfortunately. So it has been quite neglected, but we purchased that about a year or so ago now, a bit more soon, about early this year. And that cost us 650000 And then because we were doing the renovations, we only put the 10% deposit down instead of a full 20%. So we had that extra 10% deposit to put into the renovations, which hopefully once these are all done, which we're putting about 60000 in this year, Then we can refinance and hopefully have more equity in
1: the house. Oh, love! How did you work out that sixty grand worth of, I guess, reno's was going to work out for you? Like, did you go, you know, to Bunnings and look at all the kitchens, or were you online? Or like, where did you start? Because I found it so overwhelming.
0: It was so overwhelming. We started mostly by getting quotes from people who do renovations just to see how much it would cost for them to do it plus the labour. Mm-hmm. Because then, if that's kind of at the absolute maximum of our range, then we kind of know what to stick to roughly. So, we made sure that all of our quotes had a breakdown for kitchen, you know, living space, paint, absolutely everything. We made sure they had that breakdown. And then it was just online having a look reading um different forums of people who have renovated their houses watching different reels of people who do it and put the prices next to it yes
1: i do that on tiktok all the time yeah a bit of a process but at the
0: moment we're very much like doing well with our budget. So it's looking good
1: at the moment. I'm so envious. I was not so good with my budget when it came to the Renaults. Let's go to a really quick break because on the flip side, I want to know a little bit more about that budget and also about your debts and investments. And to break down that uh, bad money habit you mentioned just before, don't go anywhere, guys. All right, Money Diarist, we are back and I'm so pervy on your reno journey. <laughs> Obviously, when you are you know, buying your first home, there's not always a lot of room for investing and doing stuff on the side. But I do want to ask anyway, do you have any investments? If so, what are they?
0: Yeah, I do have a few investments. I have my superannuation, which I've slightly increased my risk profile for because Ooh. I didn't realize until... This year, that you could actually change your superannuation risk profile? You can,
1: and everyone should review it.
0: Yeah, so I've actually made that a little bit more aggressive considering that I'm only 24 at the moment. I've got a long way to go, and hopefully, it'll even out and should be fine over time. Love. I also have a raise account and a spaceship account, which have about $2,000 spread across them. I started them when I started listening to the podcast, so they're going well.
1: I love this. Yeah. Yeah,
0: and I have a share scheme with the company that I'm working for where they contribute $100 a month from my paycheck and then I've also started dabbling in the share market myself. So I have five investments at the moment, some blue chips, some on a little bit more of the riskier side which add up to around the $8,000 mark.
1: Ooh, look at you go. (laughs) Yeah,
0: something I'm so proud of because this was a huge step for me. I always saw investing as more of something gambling. I was never educated on it ever and I just always thought, oh my gosh, why would you invest? Like You're throwing your money away. You're going to lose it. But my partner was into investing when we met a little bit and he kind of taught me about it and then obviously listening to the podcast starting to do a bit more of my own research and I kind of got rid of that stigma and I thought I'll just give it a go I'll just put a little bit into rays bit into spaceship and then I built that up and I love it now I'm really interested in it Yay! (laughs) yeah it's great
1: Oh my gosh, I love it. I feel like Raisin Spaceship are kind of like the gateway drug of the investment community because you end up just going, all right, well, that feels like a little bit less risky, a little bit more controlled. I'll give it a crack. And then it's the gateway. And now you have five different investments. I want to (laughs) know though, because obviously coming from such a mentality where you're like, look, I really thought that investing was actually a form of gambling. Education is the key here. But how did you then start to pick those five investments? What made you confident enough to pull the trigger and put money in it? Because eight grand, that's a lot of money. It is a lot, actually.
0: For the blue chip ones, I just knew companies that I've heard of a lot that I felt were quite stable, did some research into it from the investment side, and I felt comfortable with them. For the ones that were on the little bit more of the riskier side, there's a couple of people at my work that are really, really into the share market and they kind of throw around tips between each other. And this is when you're like, let me in. <laughs> I want to hear your tips. Exactly that. But I wasn't telling anyone that I was kind of into it at the moment because I've had that little bit of a stigma. So I was a bit worried. So I was just like, oh, I'll just listen and see what happens. And then they were talking about it. And one day I was like, I'm just going to try. And if I lose money I lose money if I gain money I gain money I just want to give it a go at this point I had my blue chip so I was feeling confident obviously listening to the podcast I understand that it's going to be up and down it's not going to just keep being up for the duration that I have it. And I don't plan on taking anything out anytime soon. So I gave it a go and one of them worked a bit more than the other, but I feel really confident now that it's not gambling, but I feel really confident now, you know, looking into other stocks and going, Oh, I might put a little bit on that and just see what happens. Or this is a bit more of a safer option. I'll put a bit more money into that. And yeah, I completely flipped my mentality there.
1: (laughs) I love it. I think it's so good because so many people do feel that way. And then it's really about education and exposure that makes you understand how it actually all works. You go, wait, this is really different. This is actually about wealth creation and creating financial freedom. I have another question about investing just because I'm so pervy. So I apologize, but I'm not that sorry. When you did decide to pull the trigger, you bought your blue chip stocks first how did you pick a platform to invest on? Like what did you pick and why did you pick it? And why did that make the most sense for you?
0: I went with Comsec, and that's Mm -hmm. only simply because my partner had invested in Comsec. I didn't really look into which platform too much. It's just, I knew he was with it. I knew a couple of the people from work were in it. They were with a couple others as well, but I just thought,
1: okay, I'll just this works. It makes sense. Tried and true. Some other people have done it. So therefore it can't yeah. be that bad. No, I love that. I always ask because there's always a reason why someone picked their platform. It's not oh, V, Yeah. So I Googled it and I looked at this chart and it compared it. And so I picked off that. There's always like some other reason that people are like, oh no, I felt comfortable with this. And I just love hearing it. Yeah. That
0: bank with Commonwealth as well. So I was kind of like,
1: oh, okay. That's fine. Yep. Easy. All right. I want to know now about debt. You mentioned before that you purchased your home for $650,000, but I want to know, what debt are you in? How much and how does it break down?
0: Yep. So I am very proud to say that I don't have any bad debt at all. Very sexy. So I... Had my year and a half of my university degree that I started but didn't end up finishing because I absolutely hated it. (laughs) I paid off that hex debt. That was kind of my main financial goal before the end of financial year just gone because I understand that it was going up the 7% with inflation. I was like, I do not want to keep paying this off.
1: So you're here telling me like, hey, V, 24 and six figures, have no hex debt. You also have a mortgage, paying for my renovations, going to Europe. I love this. I'm obsessed. <laughs> yeah, I
0: think sometimes <laughs> I don't give myself enough credit. I get a bit of imposter syndrome sometimes.
1: So I'm, I'm like, here to be your like official personal hype girl. I'm like, get it, queen. This is the best ever. I
0: just struggle to kind of like, it sounds great in my head, but it doesn't Oh, it does feel good. I don't know. It's hard to explain. I guess I, like I said, I just feel like I have imposter syndrome sometimes. Be like, oh, yeah,
1: it's good, but you know, I'm sure I could be doing more of this. We all think that, though, right? Yeah. The grass is always greener on the other side. And imposter syndrome is something I can definitely relate to because I get it all the time. And it's like the dumbest thing in the entire world because, like, I know what I've done. Like I know that I'm a good person doing good things. At the end of the day, that's all that matters. It doesn't matter what I've achieved or what I haven't achieved. I look at it and I go, I'm a good person doing good things. No one is actually going to come for me and kick me out and be like, you don't know what you're talking about. Like, you know, get out. You're not a good person. But it's something that I think we should actually talk a lot more about, because it doesn't matter whether it's your career or whether it's your investing journey or you've bought your first house. Like how many times do we just gaslight ourselves into thinking it's not good enough? You're like, oh, I bought my first house, but I live in it. I don't have an investment property. And you're like, wait, what? like where's this mentality coming from <laughs> or you look at it and you go I've started investing you know i've really thought about this i have you know my blue chip stocks i have rays i have a spaceship i'm actually doing a really good job it's only eight grand though that's not very good like why do we do this to
0: ourselves i know i have no idea why and to be honest i think it's as like majority of female thing as well. Oh yeah, it's not a male thing. (laughs) A hundred percent. Like everyone I speak to, they're like, oh yeah, you know, this is so great about me. This is so great about me. People at work and I'm just sitting there
1: like, oh yeah, I guess. No, absolutely not. We need to start talking to ourselves as though we're our own best friends because like I would never talk to my friends or anybody like, oh my gosh, yeah, you're right. That's not that good. Like I'm here going, holy moly, you're 24. You've done all of this good stuff. Like talk to yourself that way just go, oh, what would Victoria say to me? And then say that because that's going to put you in a better position.
0: Yeah. Okay. That's my new goal. That's what I'm going to do all the time now. <laughs> <laughs>
1: all right. Earlier in the episode, you mentioned that you think that your worst money habit is that you you know, earn a lot of money, but you're not really sure where it's going. Let's talk a bit more about that. But first, I want to know what is your best money habit, do you think?
0: I am a good saver. Like if I have a goal, I will absolutely work so hard, smash it out. And once my money is in that savings account, I will not touch it. Like I will starve and I will not touch it. Like I've got my emergency account, which is good, but I will never, ever, ever touch it until obviously I'm, I've am achieved that goal and paying for it. So I'd say savings are really good money habit for me.
1: I love that. I think that that's really clear. Tell me a little bit more about this worst money habit. You said it was earning money. But you're not really sure where it's going or what it's doing, but you're good at saving. How does that work?
0: What I'm doing at the moment or when I was saving kind of for my bigger money goals is I would just put in a figure out when I want to achieve this goal by kind of break it down in months as to how long it would take me, you know, when I want to do it, how much it will cost me and kind of figure out the monthly amount that I would need to put into my savings. And then I would just do that. And I just put that in and the rest of the money would be between my other accounts. I have an emergency account, which is good. But my other accounts that kind of just sit there and I'll just, you know, once one goes low, I'll keep topping it up with the other. But there's no thought actually behind it. And I'll just kind of like, oh, yeah, Uh, food shopping, not thinking about it, swipe my card. I don't go shopping much. But if I did, you know, I look at the price and if I can afford it, I'll just swipe my cards. Like I don't really have much thought process behind you know this is my budget for food this is my budget for eating out this is my budget for absolutely anything like I don't have that thought process behind it which I really want to get like I want to make a budget I want to be so organized in that space I've just I've tried in the past like a few years ago and I just had no success at all and I think that was I was younger obviously but I just I don't know
1: why. I just, I really want to get there. I feel like that's really relatable though, because I look at it and go, you know, everyone budgets in a different way. Like budgeting means something different to absolutely everybody. And from my perspective, looking at, you know, you from the outside in and having had this really beautiful conversation, I go, well, does she really need a strict budget? Like she's achieved the goal of buying her house, she's investing, she's doing all of these things. What do you think you'd achieve if you had a budget set in place and were more organised?
0: I think it would be good for my saving habits because I think I could probably save more or put more money towards a mortgage or more money towards, you know, a holiday in the future rather than not thinking about and not having that structure. A bit of control would be nice and I don't feel like I have that control over what's coming in, what's going out. Now you've got a mortgage is important too. Yeah, and I'm such an organized
1: person and this is not on brand with what I'm like. <laughs> this doesn't suit the vibe. Like this doesn't pass the vibe check. No, I love that. And I think it's important because we want every dollar that comes into our account to be working as hard as we do for it. And sometimes if we don't have enough clarity or structure, it's just not. It just comes in and it just does whatever it needs to do, but it's not working hard. I just have so many questions about this because I just think it's so relatable. I want ask another one about the budgeting aspect. You said you tried a couple of years ago and it didn't work. What did you try and why do you think it didn't work? So my cousin
0: is like the queen of budgeting. She is like down to the scent, absolutely crazy. I love so her I was like, okay, can I sit down with you? Can you show me how to do it? Run me through it. And I did it for a few months and I just completely got, not couldn't be bothered, but I just lost that want to do it. And I guess that being strict with myself for doing it. And then since then I just haven't really tried again. So I think also how she kind of had it laid out. She had it on Excel spreadsheets, which was great. But I think it really suited her. Yeah. And obviously she's only thinking from her. Whereas for me, I tried making it better for me and making it a bit prettier and things like that. So me. then I kind of <laughs> want to do it. But it just didn't stick.
1: I need to know when you did it on Excel spreadsheets did it then become a super manual process like every single week or month you'd have to go in and actually like look at the spreadsheet and then implement that in your banking system and then switch things around so it was like a lot of work or was it something where you just had your finger on the pulse every month
0: Yeah it was definitely more on the manual side and especially because I'm not an Excel whiz in the slightest so I had all my notes for how to do things and how to add your formulas and things like that but then I would just, it slipped my mind or I'd have to Google it each month to make sure I'm doing the right thing. And it just got way too manual for something that should just be a quick number in, number in.
1: I totally get it. Like, obviously <laughs> you're not in this situation, but I have ADHD. So if it becomes a manual process, it's not happening. Like I won't yeah, do it. Really. It has to be taken off me. I don't often do this, but I'm going to gift you my budgeting and flow masterclass awesome. or the new money masterclass because- it is all automated and if you're not a spreadsheet girly i was explaining it to someone the other day and they were like i don't get excel or you know google sheets v like it doesn't work i'm like it's actually kind of like a software inside excel that i've built because i am a spreadsheet girly and i am a nerd but what you do is you put all of your budget in and then it tells you what you need to automate in your banking system. So you just set up direct debits and yeah, you just reflect your budget in your direct debits. And then your job is to just like check in every month, make sure that, you know, if there's a new expense that you forgot about, that's included, but like that's, the extent of the budgeting, if that makes sense. So I can't wait to hear what you think of it, because I think it's going to really, really work. And oh, I think thank it'll you be, so much. I, no, no, no. I just think so after this conversation, this conversation, I'm like, this is going to work so well for you. I'm going to give it to you. I'll also pop a cheeky little discount in the show notes for anyone who wants to join as well, because obviously if I'm talking about it, you might go, V, like, what about us? I just think it'll work so well, especially because I was like, oh, like, why didn't it work? And you can like share it with your cousin. I'll allow that. I think that's fair because I think she'll be really impressed if she's a spreadsheet girlie like me. <laughs> but last question I've got for you. Obviously, you said that your money habits are a B plus and, you know, you really want to work on your budgeting. But from my perspective, you're already killing it. After this conversation, do you think you're still a B plus? And if so, that's fine. But if not, like, why have you changed? But also, what could you do to get to that A plus, I guess, credit?
0: I would maybe shift myself up to an A minus.
1: Oh, I love this.
0: Yeah, I think like you said, like I just need to give myself a bit more credit and go, you know, even though I feel like I can be doing more to just sit back and reflect and go, but do you know what? I've done so well so far.
1: A hundred percent.
0: Yeah, like I'm proud of what I've achieved and I guess I need to think about that a bit more. But to get to that A+, plus, I would say the budget side of things would definitely give me a bit more control. So that would 100% assist me in getting to that A-plus level. And then also, I'd like to continue to add to my investments and kind of build that portfolio so that hopefully one day...
1: I can be financially free or as close to it as possible. Adore. Oh, my gosh. I wish we had more time to chat. But unfortunately, that is all we have time for today. So, Mani Daris, thank you for joining us. Thank you for this chat. I feel like I'm now your personal hype girl, as I am for absolutely everybody in our community. But I have adored this. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you so much. It's been so nice to finally meet you. I was so looking forward to this. Oh, my gosh. I love that so much. We're like besties who hadn't met yet. (laughs) Maybe one day. <laughs> Next time you come to Western Australia, I'll, um, oh, I'll make sure to come. I mean, I
1: mean. The advice shared on She's on the Money is general in nature and does not consider your individual circumstances. She's on the Money exists. Purely for educational purposes and should not be relied upon to make an investment or financial decision. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the PDS, TMD, and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored towards your needs. Victoria Divine and She's on the Money are authorized representatives of Money Sherpa PTY LTD ABN 321 649 27708 AFSL 451-289.